0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for part one of the 2022-23 season review. I'm Andrew Musgrove and guiding us through part one is Newcastle Fans TV, Sam Mulner. Sam's last few appearances on the podcast have been in the hosting seat, but I've kicked him out and he's going to bring us the joys of August to December in Newcastle United's fantastic campaign in which Champions League football was secured. Sam, thank you very much for popping on to the podcast. How are we keeping?
1: Good, good. I, I'm, I'm pleased you're hosting this so I can be more opinionated. Yes, yes. I look
0: forward to that and the editing I will have to do. Although I'm sure you'll be family friendly, won't you? Yeah, there's no need to F and Jeff. It's been a wonderful season. Um, part two will be coming in um, the next couple of days with John Gibson as he wraps up the second half of the season. And it's been
1: oh, such... I I get it. I, I'm I'm the support act for. Well, you
0: see, you see, right? I was just about to say before you jumped in there that usually when we do these season reviews, no one wants the uh, the start of the season. No one wants those months leading into the new year because, you, let's be fair, it's usually a bit dark, a bit gloomy, and a bit rubbish. I was going to say, I thought you would have been quite happy with with the first few months because, let's be honest, I've got my list here, I've got my notes. You could write just a whole book on those first what five, six months because there were some great performances, great results. So I, I don't know what you're turning your nose
1: up at. Matt. I'm not, I'm not turning my nose up at all. It's quite right. I support. Uh, I'm the support act to uh, to to Gibbo's headline appearance, but yeah, no, it's, it's been a tremendous season. So whichever way we look at it, it's um, it's it's a welcome change of pace from the previous season reviews before we dive in
0: to uh to we're going to start with transfers obviously because that's where we have to start before the actual football on the pitch I just want to ask you two questions firstly before that game against Nottingham Forest the first game of the season where would you have had Newcastle finishing
1: <laughs> oh, I remember this conversation we had all too well, Mister. I want to finish eleventh. Whoa, whoa, um,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa! There was no want. There was just an acceptance of a reality that let's not let's not you know aim too high and be disappointed. But hey, I'm not turning my nose up at fourth. No, no, no! Brilliant, brilliant season.
1: Absolutely, um, mine wasn't a lot more ambitious than yours. Uh, I think. It was a case of just any sort of improvement would do nicely. Top ten, top eight was the general consensus. Um, can we nick a place in the Conference League if we have a, a really good season? Bit of a cup run would be nice, um, and and that was that was it really. That would have been us chuffed going into next season to build on on that um, to finish fourth to get to a cup final in the first full season post-takeover is absolutely phenomenal. It really is. And it shouldn't be understated. Yes, Chelsea and Tottenham have just had disastrous seasons. Liverpool left themselves a bit light, but that's not our fault. That's their fault. And, um, yeah, to, to finish fourth and be pretty much in the top four all season, really. There's only a couple of occasions where we've slipped out of it. But even when we have, it's because we've had games in hand. Um yeah, incredible, incredible what a season. Yeah, tremendous season. And you mentioned there the Cup
0: run. That was on my radar. I wanted a, a, a Wembley final. We got it, unfortunately. Newcastle didn't win it. And, of course, we'll talk about that in, in part two of the season review. But just as a whole, this season, top four finish, a Cup final. You know, If it wasn't for VAR, maybe a couple more points on, on the board as well.
1: Uh, are you pinching yourself at just how well Newcastle United have done? No, I'm not pinching myself but because my attitude since this takeover has been the the same, really, the constant of I'm just here to enjoy the ride now. Whatever happens, happens. We've had enough strife and toil and misery for so long. Um, Enjoy every win, enjoy every goal, enjoy every little sinew that you can get out of it, and that's what I've done personally. Um, I'm not pinching myself because just this team and smart recruitment and just everything about it is just so refreshing and so so it just makes you bubble in tide and it's it's just been wonderful to and and to have the attitude of just enjoying the ride, no expectation. Where we've exceeded the no expectation bit, as we said mr 11th um so yeah phenomenal phenomenal and maybe there is a bit of expectation next year but again i'm just enjoying the ride if we can so- consolidate european football then not, then i'm happy it's it's just it's it's good times again
0: yeah it's excitement i think ahead of next season and you mentioned there the good recruitment and that's where we're going to start and i think the recruitment we saw in the summer gives newcastle United fans A lot of hope, positivity ahead of this window that they're going to do exactly the same in terms of their homework, looking for, you know, not necessarily the most expensive player in the world, but a good quality player with a brilliant attitude. You know, they did that with the likes of Nick Pope, Sven Botman and your man, Alexander Izak, who was on the green screen behind me. But I want to talk about the first two first because with Alexander Izak, I think we have to put that into context with the run of fixtures that happened in and around him signing. So we'll get to him later in the show. But let's talk about Nick Pope, first of all. £10 million. What an absolute bargain. And I tell you what, Sam, I'm a little bit fuming that Eddie Howe didn't win manager of the year, but I expected Pep to to get the nod. And I'm going to do a YouTube video on that uh, in the week about why I'm fuming. So let's forget about that. I'm more fuming, though, that I've seen so many pundits put out their team of the season. And Nick Pope is not the goalkeeper in any of them. I've seen Allison in it. I've seen Edison in it. I've even seen the Brentford goalkeeper in it, with all due respect, no one as good as Pope. I just do not understand how Nick Pope is not getting the credit that he so
1: so thoroughly deserves. He's been immense because there's been times where we've not needed him for 90% 90% of the game. And then Bang comes up with an absolute worldie of a save or a big, big save just to, you know, keep three points to three and not one or keep a point to, to a point and not zero. Yeah, he's he's been the keeper. See, when he signed, um, I kind of... I wasn't scratching my head over it because we all know he's a very good keeper. But I thought, well... Is is goalkeeper an area where we really needed to strengthen? Is he that much better than Dubravka? Dubravka, I would still argue is is better with the ball at its at his feet than Nick Pope is. But you can't argue with the way Pope has gone about his business this season. He has been fantastic. He's the best English goalkeeper around. Yes, he's had that minor blot on his copybook with the uh, the Liverpool um, red card. But that didn't happen before uh, January, so I can't mention it on this part. Hmm, very true. Yeah, I think you're dead right there. what you say about his uh,
0: initial arrival. I think, A, you had some people saying, well, he, he's gone down with Burnley. And and even now, we're talking about Newcastle potentially looking at players from Southampton, Leicester and Leeds. And some of the response is, well, do we really want relegated players? And as me and Aaron Stokes continuously say on the, on the Monday show, why not? It doesn't mean you're a bad player. It just means the team didn't gel, whatever. It doesn't mean you're a bad player. And so the second point is, you mentioned there Martin Dubravka, and I was one of these people who questioned whether he was that much better than Martin Dubravka, but I think he quickly showed, especially when it comes to being a shot stopper, that he most certainly is the better goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, you can't argue with that now, but uh, at the time, yeah, I agreed with you. Um some of the some of the saves he's pulled off this season just top top class top class and that part of when look because as Newcastle fans we're not used to having a good defense it's 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 not you know and Eddie Howe can't coach a defense remember let's not forget that point um yeah, to ha- to have him in the back when the odd defensive slip-up has happened, and they have been very, very rare. Um, when called upon, he's gone about his business absolutely superbly. Um, yeah, phenomenal. And he's, he's played through the pain barrier as well towards the end of the season, which I can't mention because we're doing part one. But, um, yeah, phenomenal signing. Seemed a great influence in the dressing room, particularly on the likes of uh, of Sean Longstaff, Jacob Murphy and, all, uh, and that kind of core group of players, Dan Byrne, them set up to lads. Um, yeah, superb, superb. And it was a case of starting to develop the spine of the team like we'd started to do the previous January with, with Bruno in the middle. Yeah, and also a
0: case of Newcastle doing their homework, knowing... Like there was with Trippier, you know how much it would cost, how much it would cost to get him away from his side. Knowing that he would only cost ten million, I still, I'm still baffled, Sam, at the fact that he only cost that amount of money in it. In, in a world where you know goalkeepers are going for 70, 80 million pounds, and you've got Nick Proppier, A for ten million, and B there was no one else in for
1: him. No, the the fact that there was no one else in for him was a surprise more than the than the price because he was when you hit the magic thirty you know, your, your value diminishes a little bit. Um so the fact that no one else was in for him when there's quite a few teams in the Premier League that that could have done with a goalkeeper of his quality surprised me more than than the price tag did. Um but yeah I'm I'm glad we've got him and Long May is form continuing to next season where he's gonna have to be on his game in them um, Champions League nights. He certainly is and one man
0: who Helped him build up such a brilliant defence was that of Sven Botman. Castle wanted him in January, didn't get him. Knew that he was like their number one target. Went back in the summer and signed him from one of the noses of EC Milan. Um, absolutely brilliant, thirty-five million, another bargain in the grand scheme of things. And you know, I'm not even going to say there's been games where he hasn't been at it. There's there's, there's been probably a collective. 15 minutes, 20 minutes across the entire season where you can go, okay, maybe that was a bit iffy. But on a whole, is that potentially the best debut season of a defender, maybe even a Newcastle arrival as a whole, like you've ever seen? Or was that a little bit too far?
1: No, I don't think it is too far. Um, it's certainly worth the conversa- having the conversation because he's been so good. And we knew that this was one of the priority deals, but as you as you referenced with chasing him in January as well, um, beating AC Milan, first Jeff Hendrick, now Botman, take that Milan. Um, I think we've come out of this one a bit better, though. One of the top young centre backs in Europe. There's no two ways about it. We were after our Vincent company of who could sh- help shore up our back line uh, along with Trippier, who can go on to maybe captain Newcastle who could go on to to really be a, a leader a presence and he's done that you you can count the errors he's made this season on one hand yes that when he has made an error they've been costly but that just goes to show how important he's been um and he's also got very unlucky with a couple the the cup final second goal was uh the one that comes to mind yeah one of the one of the best maybe the best center back I've seen for Newcastle in terms of the out-and-out defence, and I'm excited because there'll be more to come from him. He's yeah. only... How old is he? 22, 23, something
0: like yeah, that? he's young, isn't he? So, he's you know, he's nowhere near. He's prime, and he, he's just going to get better and better. And it's going to be interesting to see who he plays alongside next season. Will it be Fabian Chair? Will they go after another centre-back? You know, that's why this summer's so exciting. But if they do, it's going to have to be someone of the level of Sven Botman, which isn't going to be easy to find. But that's how well... He's done. We will get onto Isaac, but as I say, I want to talk about the games that built up to Isaac's arrival because I think it was quite significant. Um, you know the results, performances, injuries that occurred that then led to Isaac coming in. So we will get to him in a moment. Uh, let's start with the first game of the season, though. Nottingham Forest at home, two 0 to Newcastle United. I was at a flower show, if you remember,
1: down in Lincoln, Lincoln. Yes, yeah. you were. Yes, you were checking out the. Uh... It Flowers. Was, it was it was it was
0: rubbish, mate. Like it was awful. I love my garden. My garden's full of colour. I'm in there most weekends when I'm not watching the football. Um good. but that was awful. I wish I'd been to James's Park, truth be told.
1: I was. Um I was in the Gallagher end, uh, if that makes you feel any better. Um yeah, it was a great, great atmosphere. Um War flags and feeling good. It really, really did kick-start the season, and we'd had them two back-to-back friendlies the the week previous, didn't we? Um, and it was starting to build up. Then I think sold a hell of a lot of tickets for two uh, pre-season friendlies, and uh, yeah, the game itself we could have been four or five up by half time, just couldn't couldn't finish. And there have been times like that in the past where. And in fact, there's been a few games this season. I think of Leicester in the Carabao Cup as well, where you think, "Oh, how have we not scored? How have we not how have we not put this game to bed?" And then back in the day, what we would have lost them games one 0 Not anymore. Um, it took a wonder strike from from Fabian Cher to get things going, and then a real classy finish from from Callum Wilson for him to get off the mark this season, the first of his 18 goals. Um, incredible. It could have been more. Um, I, my, my takeaway from that was wow, Forest might be a good team when they start to gel in like March, April, May, because um, they've signed like 60 players. But it was a real positive way to kick things off in the season because it could have been three, four, five on another day.
0: How important was it that they, they got the three points first game of the season, first game to them, like you say, war flags and everything? You know, it. it in many ways, if you look at the Newcastle United of old, it was set up for Newcastle United to fail. Really, you know, such a good atmosphere, such a good feeling. The flag display, a couple of new signings. The Newcastle of old would definitely be falling through the trap door there and losing that game. This isn't the Newcastle of old, though. This is Eddie Howe's Newcastle United, and they do as as you expect them to do, and and beat you know these kind of teams. And you know, when the occasions there, they they, they often, more than often, rise to it. But it was important, though, wasn't it, to, to really set the, the tone with a win.
1: Yeah, huge. Huge. And I, I I don't like playing newly promoted teams at, at, on the opening day because they're a pain. And we've we, like, historically not got the greatest record against newly promoted teams at the start of a, of a Premier League season. Um I usually like to wait until like October, November, where their, where their spirits have been dampened a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it, w- it was massively important. Uh, Jesse Lingard had a point to prove, which he certainly did not prove uh, this season at Forest. Um, I just remember th- thinking they did an awful corner kick routine um, in the first half, I think. Was it second half? Where... None of their players went into the box and they all charged in the box right when the kick was taken and then it just landed in Pope's hands. It was really, really bizarre. Um, but yeah, we were positive. We were going forward at every opportunity. Joe Linton could have had a couple. Um, yeah, we battered them and, and 2-0 was quite favourable to them really. And it, I remember walking through the city um, in, the, uh, in the early evening and the place was alive and buzzing and just filled with excitement, and and everyone was just ready for the season ahead, the which we got off to the best possible start.
0: And then it was a trip down to Brighton, and in all fairness, Newcastle were absolutely battered by them, and we've spoken there about Nick Poe. Kind of in that 90 minutes alone, he paid back his fee because he was absolutely tremendous. Newcastle's one of the match, some fantastic saves uh, to make um and yeah newcastle were really up against it but kind of a sign of a good team i guess when when you're far from the better side and you still manage to claw a point uh and bring it back up the Tyneside, side massive point in the grand scheme of things as well when you think about it what huge away from that game
1: uh that we ground out a result and didn't get beat which wouldn't have happened back in the day either the, the fact that we can go to these places, because as we all know, and many teams have found out this season, it's a horrific place to try and go and get a result. Um, they're, they're a good team, real proper team, Brian. I mean, the form of that championship season where we won it has just gone through the roof. Um, yeah, I- incredible. Um But... Yeah, that game itself, that's one. And there's been a couple of games like that as well where we probably should have lost, but we didn't. And, you know, that's a sign of a good team, sign of a together team, and, and a sign of a team going places where they can dig in when necessary and um, turn a loss into a scrappy point because it's necessary.
0: Yeah. I think that's what I like about Eddie Howe is that when he sees... Trouble coming down the road, he can adapt to it as well. I think we saw against Leicester, uh, when they needed that point to secure Champions League football, straight out the traps, high pressing, and then as the game went on, even though it was just for a kind of a 10 minute period, they sat back and absorbed the pressure because I think they realized they couldn't go at that pace for the rest of the game, you know, and it worked. And obviously, you know, um, you know, they got the point. I think it's similar against Brighton as well, where you saw kind of two sides of, of Newcastle United in that game, so uh. The Brighton game at St James' Park, sorry. So, yeah, it was a, a good outing for Freddie Howe's side there. Then it was Manchester City at home, 3-3. And in truth, the should have won that game. They were absolutely tremendous. It was, for me, the best atmosphere I've felt at St James' Park in, in, in a long while. And I know how good the Arsenal game was the season before. Uh, but for me, to, to just to be sitting in the stands, and it was just, it's hard to describe. Just how good the atmosphere was, and it was matched by the performance on the pitch. And to be coming away thinking we've thrown away two points there shows you just how well Newcastle did in that game.
1: Yeah, that game was all about one man. And I actually met him the day before that game. Maybe it was a coincidence that he put in such a performance after a little pep talk that I gave him. But Alan St. Maximin, that that I hear so much from fans. And this isn't a criticism to the fan base because football fans, as a breed, are quite fickle, myself included. And and you know, but when I hear people say, "Oh, Sir Maxman should leave," he's he, this, that, and the other rubbish, absolute rubbish. Um, Sir Maxman should stay, and we should keep hold of him for as long as possible. Yes, he can have you tear your hair out sometimes, and yes, the consistency is is lacking somewhat at times, but. Before he got the injury in the game after this City game, let's just focus on this first. He was absolutely electric. He had Kyle Walker on toast. He got two assists and uh, uh, won the free kick for Trippier's goal. You're right about the atmosphere as well, electric. And the fact that we went 3-1 up and drew 3-3 and no one was really angry or bitter or disappointed. The atmosphere was still amazing come the end. And they still had the support of the fans in the stadium. and, And... around the world just goes to show how united the club was and is now but st Maximin on that day phenomenal if he could turn them sort of performances out on a consistent basis then you've got one of the world's finest players but yes i before you say he doesn't do it consistently and he gets injured and this that and the other but that performance that day was one of the individual performances of the season, it was phenomenal.
0: I'm not going to disagree with you. You are absolutely spot on. My point, though, is for so long, and I know he picked up injuries, but for so long, everyone would always hark back to that performance. You know, This is why Anson Max has a future Newcastle. This is why he needs to stay because he had Kyle Walker on toast. And that kind of lasted really into that Liverpool game when Newcastle were down to 10 men just before the Cup final, where he had a tremendous game. And then, after that, yeah, I'm thinking maybe he did all right against Chelsea in the last game of the season. But really... It's past- because he got
1: injured again and he's only been playing a bit past. Yes, and I,
0: I know that. But even when he's not injured, I, it's the consistency is such a frustration because you are right. When he does it, there are a few better than him. And to have a, a full-back like Kyle Walker running absolutely scared and he terrorised him shows you you know the levels that maximum we can get to but what we need from him is like you said to, to do that week in week out and we need it to happen where we're not pinpointing one game out of seven or eight where he's done it and we that's his defence because quite frankly when you castle need to be that's not going to wash for much longer.
1: Mm, what happened in the next game though?
0: Well obviously he scored that you know that that um goal against Wolves which was a fantastic that goal made right? me squeal it was a great goal. No,
1: it was a fantastic but, goal. But
0: if I'm not mistaken, and I have to admit, I mean, talking about games in September and uh, in, in August seems an absolute lifetime ago. I, that Man City game
1: seems about a decade ago. It seems. So- That's why I don't want us to have short memories about these things because he hasn't finished. All right, he played well against Chelsea on the final day, but he'd got injured and he'd been playing a bit part off the bench But I I think it's important not to have short memories with these things because, you know, them two games in particular, the end of which he he got injured, his first injury of the season, was that uh, that Wolves game, which we could have won with Elliot Anderson in the dying seconds. Um, That felt like you were starting to get somewhere with him and it's just one of these things, it's just rotten luck. But he, he didn't have the
0: best of game. Against Wolves, um, I'm not mistaken. He scored a wonderful goal, but he was quite quiet, wasn't he? Am I mistaken? That's that's what I've got in my head. But I'm, I mean, I'm sure I listen. Um,
1: otherwise. The 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 team performance. I was there that day in the baking sunshine at Molineux. The team performance itself wasn't brilliant. There was a there was a, a couple of. Um, Sort of, there was a dodge VAR call. I think it was Longstaff that got fouled that we should have had a penalty for, but it wasn't really given a proper look. One 0 down, Neves, and then they got a second, which was correctly ruled out for offside, which was so plain and obvious, it was ridiculous why it took so long. Um, it did seem because if you remember as well, Wilson was injured. And Isak's paperwork didn't get complete on time um, or work permit didn't come through on time. Thank you, Brexit. Um, so we couldn't play him. So it was, it was Chris Wood up top, which isn't always the most ideal. We, we were lacking something that day and we finished the, the game the stronger by far and we could have gone on to win it. But when we needed a spark... That's when St Maximum was there and he scored. It was my pick for our goal of the season, to be honest. Wow. And there's a lot
0: in contention. I was going to say that's quite the accolade. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to go back to that City game just just briefly because you mentioned Callum Wilson there. But first of all, what stood out about that Manchester City game? You know, it was the first game really, well, it was the first game against a big, big side. And usually, you know, under Steve Bruce and even Rafa Benitez, Newcastle would sit back, try and absorb the pressure, and if you get a point, it's a bonus. And what we saw was the first test of Eddie Howe against these top sides. What is he going to do? Is he going to sit back and defend? Mm. No, you're in our house. You're going to come here, and we're going to rattle you, and we're going to take the game to you. And you better beat your best to beat us. And like I say, they should have they should have picked up all three points, Newcastle. And it was a. I, it was a, I think, it was a big moment for Eddie Howe, and we got to learn a lot about him. I know he had been in the job a little while, but I think we really did get to to learn a little bit more about him. That he's not he, he's not going to set aside to be to be you know fear these big teams. He's going to set up aside to make them fear Newcastle United.
1: Yeah, because what you, what we've been kind of accustomed to for for so many years with Steve Bruce and 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 Rafa Benitez, as you say, is. Is how now going to go five at the back? Are we going to switch back to five at the back just for, just for this game? City, you know, and and the same I, I remember thinking when we were going to Anfield as well, which I think was the game after that, uh, after the Wolves game, sorry. Um, is he going to play five at the back? Tough place to go, blah, blah, blah. No, four three three. the way we play, this is how we play. This is our identity. Yes, we've got a plan B, but this is how we play. There's, a, there's, there's an identity, there's a soul to this team. And that's what we've been lacking for so long. And that's that, that, that goes a long way to the feel-good factor in and around the fan base and, and uh, the atmosphere around the ground. Because for so long, the team didn't have an identity. It didn't have... You couldn't see what we were trying to achieve, which for a pretty basic sport of trying to get the ball in the onion bag at the end of the pitch... We couldn't really tell under Steve Bruce that that was what we were trying to do. Yeah, and so. I think
0: I think when you do when you do change your formation to suit to kind of counter the opposition, I think you've already given them an advantage because you're already kind of saying we're a little bit wary of you and how we usually play isn't up to standard. Now you're always going to get, you know, you are going to have times when you do need to change it. But I think having the confidence to stick to your own formation, your own style, is what you need to do because, like I say, if you change it, you basically say to the opposition, we're scared of you and, you know, this is uh, this is probably the way we're going to try and stop you, you know, but it's not what we usually do. But I do I do think sticking with it is a massive, massive plus in it and it just shows you the confidence that he had in his own style and, and, and the players that he, he was picking.
1: Yeah, we're not giving these teams too much respect anymore. Yeah. That, that was epitomised um, for me when we got booed off at Anfield. When, when does that ever happen? When we've lost a game, when there's been however many minutes you need to score a goal after full-time should have uh, been uh, blown up. We've been booed off the pitch um, by, about- by the home fans, who were definitely... Start to, I mean, Liverpool's one of the most overrated atmospheres going anyway. Um, they only seem to make some noise when there's been a foul... Um, or you know when they score in the twelfth minute of stoppage time when there only should have been four or whatever it was. Um, not that I'm bitter about it. I was there that night. Um, uh, I did triple captain Andre Mariner though, so it wasn't all bad I'm my fantasy tip points. Um, yeah, the the fact that we'd the 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 home fans who had won the game, our first defeat of the season, they'd won the game in the in the dying moments. Instead of cheering their lads off and whatever, their main focus was to boo our lads off. Incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was a a game that had a lot of instances to talk about. And we'll get on to that in a moment. But Callum Wilson injured in that Man City game, which was Mm -hmm. a a massive blow. Great finish in that Man City game as well. We all felt it was coming as well. And it was so frustrating. Like you said, he scored a great goal and, you know, it was a big blow. And,. That was the moment, though, off the field that changed everything because, obviously, you know, I don't think it was confirmed, but clearly the people inside the club knew that Wilson's injury was not a good one, and they were left with just Chris Woods. I think morning that the chairman, had been over for the Man City game, if I'm not mistaken, and that's when things started rolling and they went after Isaac. Now, originally, they were quoted a heck of a lot of money. I think it was, what, 75, 80 million, something, and they felt it was too much. Even when it came down, they still felt it was a little bit too much. The Wilson injury forced the issue. They went out and signed Alexander Izak. Much to your your pleasure, Sam.
1: Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, and I don't think there's many people left that tune into this podcast or, or NFTVs, um, he was my first choice. I, I wrote an article. Yes, that's right, Reach PLC. I can write as well. Um, the... Um, should a takeover ever happened? This was in lockdown one when it was first uh, mooted. Who would you like to see? Newcastle sign and Alex Isak was my number one. Um, yeah. I was so unbelievably happy when, when we got him. The potential he has, which we're now starting to see, particularly in the second half of the season, which we obviously can't talk about. Um, but... The way he had to be introduced in the team was very un-Eddie Howe-like because of Wilson's injury. Normally, like Bruno and and all the other signings. Botman didn't start against Forrest, remember? Um, So, it's not like he had a slow introduction like the other signings usually have. Isak was straight in at the earliest opportunity at Anfield, got his debut goal. Great, great finish. And he's just... Gonna get better and better and better. I don't like him stuck on the left. I think it works when we're chasing a game, um, i.e. Southampton at home. Um, but I don't like it from the start. I will say that. Um, he has got all the attributes and the physical stature of Thierry Henry, which I which I I knew all along, but I was hesitant to say because I didn't want the grief off people. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want people to think I was get carried away, but. I knew what I saw, and I, I I I liked what I saw for a very long time. Um, yeah, he's he's a special player, and he's yeah. I, I got asked on Sky Sports News actually when 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 we signed him. Do I think the the price tag is too high? I I just couldn't see how that was the case when Man United signed Anthony for a hundred million euros, and he's pretty rubbish.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a lot lot of question over whether he could actually score goals in the Premier League. I mean,
1: even... <laughs> just a bit.
0: Yeah, well, even post-January, you know, someone who was a uh, you know, scout in football said to me, he can't score goals. And I think he scored in that actual game that he was telling me this in as well. Like, he went out, he must have heard him. and He went out and, and netted one. Um, so he has proved the doubt was wrong. And I'm really excited to see him with a full pre-season with Eddie Howe and hopefully a full season without any injuries. Um, because he's just going to be absolutely electrifying.
1: Champions League night as well. I'm sure he's going to absolutely love that. Team. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. He's going to be. Spe- it's going to be special if he can stay fully fit. Because that was why he struggled as well. Yeah. Tough introduction to the team. I say tough introduction to the t- into the team. He still got like his goal record was still like pretty good, but then he got injured and it was just in and out, in and out. And then his his slow reintroduction to the team was. A bit too slow because of Wilson's poor form around the time of the Carabao Cup final, of which I was the only one in the Dolphin that said Isak should start.
0: You were. To be fair, though, I had said in the build-up as well that I think Isak should start ahead of Callum Wilson. But anyway, anyway, that's for part two, Sam. Stop trying to steal giveaways. Well, I'm
1: not going to be on part two. You've got um, someone much, much better.
0: 2-1 <laughs> against Liverpool. And you mentioned there, I mean, it, honestly, it was one of the, I was in sunny uh, Mallorca watching that game. I was the only Newcastle United fan in above Liverpool fans.
1: Um, and yeah, I think that, the biggest takeout from this part of the season review is you have a lot of holidays and away days during to, uh, season time. Well, um, I wasn't.
0: Uh, anyway, forget that. Who are you?
1: Flower shows, holidays. The holiday police. Goodness me. Goodness me. I'd love a holiday.
0: Well, you're going to the beach tomorrow, aren't you?
1: Yeah, for the day in Wales.
0: Well, you know, I'm sure it'll be lovely. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to the football.
1: Let's not get bogged down in who let's get, let's goes get bogged, on more holidays.
0: Let's get bogged down. Well, Aaron Stokes goes on a heck of a lot of holidays, as our audience knows. But anyway, let's get bogged down in the scandal of VAR because that Liverpool game had a VAR incident. Uh, the offside, Isaac, scored a second, which then was ruled out. First was brilliant. I mean, the way you ran in and, and, and finished it lovely. I mean, that was his introduction, wasn't it? That was the moment, I mean, his first first appearance, wasn't it, by all accounts? Yeah, that was the moment you kind of go, okay, we've signed something a little bit special here. And he should have had he should have had two goals to his name.
1: Yeah, I have to be honest, but his second goal was the um the other end of the ground. It was at the cop end, wasn't it? So we were at the we were at the other end. And I thought it was off. But I didn't realise, obviously, just how close it was. And I'm not... How thick you want them VAR lines to be. I, I don't want to sort of... I mean, that one's not even worth dwelling on, really, because we've had worse. Yes. Oh, i have I've got,
0: I've got the next one written down. Don't, don't worry, that's coming. Yeah.
1: So that that one was incredibly disappointing, and that would have put us 2-0 up at... Um, against one of my least favourite teams in the division. And that would have been a very special night, but with, with the, yeah. The
0: fact Newcastle were, were defeated, and again, they didn't have it all their own way. There were, there were moments, but if I remember correctly, largely Liverpool were on, on, on top, I think. Um, but they weren't battering Newcastle. I don't think the performance was was that bad. And I feel like that was another important moment. No, it wasn't right, bad. Um, where you, you lose against Liverpool, but again, the game could have gone either way. And it was just I was really encouraged by the performance, despite the
1: the result. And they knew it, which is why we got booed off. They knew it. They knew they'd had they'd been in a into uh, because they'd had a poor start to the season as well, didn't they, Liverpool? And they knew they'd been in a the game. Um, there was a lot of I thought Amron was was very good that I think uh, that night. I think I, I remember our wingers were were fantastic. Um. Yeah. It was one of them where we'd lost the battle, but maybe we'd won the war, which of course we did because we finished fourth and they finished fifth. Um, but again, it was how it was the start of the S-Housery and um, this new attitude about the squad where we're not just going to lie down and, and roll over for these big teams. We're going to get in your face and do what we've got to do to try and get a result. It didn't work that day, but. It did, more often than not.
0: Yeah, and there was a bit of carnage on the touchline as well, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah, love all that. Yeah, I mean, you, have a, you have a bit of
0: needle. Yeah, you've got to. And again, it just showed you how rattled Liverpool were with the way Klopp celebrated his team and what have you. And the Liverpool were rattled at Newcastle, and I don't think it was just to do with that game. I think it was also to do with the bigger picture as well, which, as you say, has now become a reality. You know, they know. You cast United are going to be a force to be reckoned with and it's not going to be as easy as it has been in recent years to be in the top four.
1: And I think as well, it was another sort of chapter on the development of Joe Linton into him turning into a player that's... Well, maybe that was the Benfica friendly where he got sent off.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but he's getting, into a, uh, he's getting a reputation as a bit of a dirty player Um, which I like because from this kind of timid rubbish number nine, you've got this absolute powerhouse, demonic, all-encompassing 16, 17 stone of Brazilian prime rib that just shall never be messed with. He's just an absolute beast. My
0: player of the season, he's been
1: absolutely brilliant. And
0: that Liverpool performance, I mentioned earlier on the show about how we, we've seen different sides to Newcastle under Eddie Howe and it was, it was another one of those sides where they don't have a lot of the ball. I think they had 28% possession or something like that. So they didn't have a lot of the ball and what they did and do very well, because as you say, the reaction it got from Klopp and the reaction it got from the crowd was was frustrate Liverpool's momentum. Um, I know Liverpool had a few more shots in Newcastle and a heck of a lot more of the ball but they weren't allowed... To free, they weren't allowed to play in a free flowing manner that they expect when they played Anfield, and it, the other two sides of, of Newcastle United under Lee Howe—one where they can frustrate, and the other where they can they can dominate.
1: Yeah, well, let's not kid ourselves. When you, you when you go to Anfield, you know you you're probably not going to have a lot of the ball, and you know you, when you do have it, you've got to make it count. So, uh, like, it's it's a shame that. I don't know why the final whistle wasn't blown ages before um, Liverpool got their winner. Um, Yes, there was time-wasting, but every team does it. It's one of the very few things I agree with Sam Allardyce on. Every team does it. Uh, So, it's a shame we lost that game, but it was one of them where... It was still a th- once you got over that last second defeat. It, there was still a lot of positives to take out of that game, a yeah. lot.
0: And it, you, you felt like Newcastle had been robbed, which is which is which is a good feeling in many ways that like they haven't been battered by Liverpool. You know they haven't mm. turned up and just you know just rolled over. They were very unlucky not to at least get a point, if not all three, and that wasn't always the case. Under uh, previous managers again, the top sides. Um, we move on to 0-0 against Palace and VAR again, you know, I could go on forever about how angry I am at VAR because it's not just Newcastle anything either. It's across the Premier League. It is an absolute disgrace. This though, the Joe Willick goal ruled out um, for a foul on the goalkeeper as uh, Tyreek Mitchell clearly pushes him in the back. Like, just It still blows my mind, just looking at it. I just do not understand how VAR can look at that and, and deem Joe Willick was in the wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, how would Webb on Monday Night Football with a very PR, shined up, glossy view of, of VAR and releasing the communications? Let's hear that one. Uh, how, how do you get that conclusion from that passage of play from... The referee on field, his two assistants, and VAR who can look at every angle and take their sweet time as they do with a lot of these decisions. Let's hear what was said there. Why? Because it's not a difficult one. It's not a difficult decision. It's not a difficult scenario where there's lots of permeations and... Lots of variables. If you're going to disallow the goal, the penalty has to be awarded for the clear and obvious foul. It's not rocket science. So, yeah, it, it cost us two points in the end. Um,
0: it wasn't the greatest game in the world and unfortunately for Newcastle United, though, um, they <laughs> were treated to Newcastle Bournemouth, which was equally... As bad a game, and them two games were arguably probably the, the two worst games I think it's a James' part of this season.
1: Yes, 100% by an absolute country mile. Um, the, about the Palace game, all three games against Palace were terrible. Um, they're all nil nil. Um, yeah, the Bournemouth one, strange atmosphere, wasn't it? Queen was... after the Queen had passed away, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was kind of. Didn't have the same build up, didn't have the same war flags bang before before kickoff did it. It was all um very reserved and it was throughout. Um I do remember thinking Philip Billin looks a tidy little player. Yeah, I've I've yeah, I, I, I agree. I've said that for a few years. Um he's always impressed me. Again, big physical dominating presence in the midfield. He got the better of um, Joe Linton that day and, and dominated. Um, you know, Isaac uh, buried his penalty, and um, we got away with a point. Um, two quite poor performances, really, against Bournemouth this season. That'll have to improve next season. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was an odd game that one, and that's one where you can kind of ignore the run to use a a, a horse racing terminology. Just that that the form of that game is just better left left alone and ignored, because it was just one of these days and events where it was just... the
0: was a write-off from the start, really, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: like, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't right, was it?
0: You then got the trip to Fulham, which I think was a massive game, because you were looking at it, if you can't beat Bournemouth, and you can't beat Palace, and I know the goal was wrongly ruled out, but that aside, Newcastle didn't do much, so... I felt Fulham was a massive, massive game because if you can't beat Fulham, then you are kind of asking, well, what what are Newcastle looking to achieve this season? I know it's still relatively early on in the season, but I felt it was a game that Newcastle and I really had to to, to pick a win up.
1: I don't know. Fulham had started really well. Fulham had started the season really well. Um, It was a game that concerned me. I wouldn't say, oh, we really need to win this today. But I went into that game probably not expecting to win. Not the way we did. An early red card always helps, though. Um, it was just the start of the rise of Miggy Almiron, wasn't it? I've got written uh, down
0: here the Miggy Wonder Show. That's what mm, I got written down.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. We ran right. Um, the 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 second goal, Almiron's volley, beautiful passage of play. Lovely ball over the top from Bruno, and then outside of the foot volley to lob the keeper, and and yeah, incredible. But did he mean it?
0: Yes, of course he meant it. He knew. What yeah, he was I think good. he did. I think
1: he did. Yeah. It's such an important win,
0: four one, and it was like you say the start of of what was to come. You move on to Brentford next, five one win at home, and again the atmosphere absolutely brilliant. And you just felt you night we were just really starting to get into the rhythm and 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 build into something that well has led to where we are now essentially,
1: yeah, and it was when our attack really clicked into gear because we weren't just beating teams we were battering them um how many times have we scored more than uh, have we scored four or more goals this season? incredible, just such attacking prowess at times. Um. yes it's been frustrating on a couple of other occasions where we haven't quite got the win and like the, the games previous we were talking about Palace and Bournemouth and Leicester at the end of the season but there's been a game where uh, a few games this season where once we've got one the floodgates have just opened and we've just buried these chances and the high press in that game at home to Brentford was beautifully demonstrated because we got two goals from that high press and it was... Yeah, just graft and work right is things I love to see.
0: I think it was after that game that I may have asked are oh, Newcastle the best pressing side in the Premier League because like you say that was when we really started to see just how good they were at forcing the opposition into mistakes and we you know, we've got a few games to come yet, but the Spurs game as well, we saw just how well they, they were able to press teams and force, you know, they forced Spurs into it. Was it the first goal of... Think... Wilson's
1: goal, yeah, with Lloris, yeah. yeah, it was the first goal, wasn't it? Where Lloris has come out and and there's there's a lot of contact between Wilson and Lloris, and um, Wilson picks the ball up and and lobs the Spurs defense and uh, and Lloris, and it goes in. Lengthy Ow. VAR check, but the on-field decision, and there is this is the thing with VAR as well. There's this kind of unwritten. Rule of Umpire's Call to, to use a cricketing analogy. How many sports can I use analogies for in this today? Um we're on two. But yeah, um the umpire's call thing, which I which I've i mentioned a few times um this season on bits and pieces, it's it's like the on field decision is they're kind of hesitant to overturn. But for, for this one, lovely stuff. That, I mean you you you've seen them given. Like goalkeepers are so overly protected, aren't they? Um, and, and there was another one last season, wasn't there, when we got our first win of the, of the season, where it was Wilson and Nick Pope of Burnley. Um, there was contact for, but from Wilson's perspective, great to see him fit back in the side and classic number nine play, classic Alan Wilson, if you like. He's someone who again likes to, to, to get in the keeper's face and um. Kind of push is the push the boundaries of of what's acceptable for for a striker to get away with, which he's done so often, and he's great fun to watch sometimes. And um, yeah, that followed by another lovely goal, which if Mo Salah would have scored it, you would you wouldn't have looked twice from Almiron, From great work from uh, Sean Longstaff as well, who really rose to prominence probably in the second half of the season, you would say. So I'll let you and Gibbo praise Sean Longstaff um next week. But yeah, it was it was another one of them games where whilst we've not got a bad record at Spurs in recent years, we took a hide in there at the end of uh last season, didn't we? After taking the lead. So so picking up that win on the back of two really Good, good, heavy scoring wins as well. Just made you think, hmm, where can this team go? Yeah, for me, the, the Spurs
0: game Sam was the biggest win under Eddie Howe's management. I thought it was the the turning point. The message that was sent: you cast out of here, and they mean business. Because I think people expected Spurs to to win that day. They've gone down to Spurs Stadium and and deservedly won, and it yeah. was a fantastic performance. And I do think that was maybe the result and performance where people stood up and said, okay, maybe Newcastle United aren't messing around here. I mean, before that, just, just quickly, we had the 0-0 at Old Trafford when Newcastle United yeah. should have won, Joe Linton should have scored and they played yeah. really well there. They would have left the red side of Manchester feeling like they'd dropped two points. 1-0 against Everton, which was a frustrating, frustrating evening. And I remember the, the, the goal for Malmiron was absolutely fantastic.
1: Oh, sublime, and his, his, his great form just continued. Um, there's been a few games against a few teams this season where we've maybe struggled a little bit at home, which is surprising to say that, given the fortress St James's Park has been again. And then we've battered them away. West Ham, Everton, you know, those are the two that really spring to mind. That Everton game was a, a frustrating night. Man United away was frustrating in another sense, but again, that's a game where you've gone to big enemy territory from one of these big four, six teams, or whatever, and you should have got the points. You, you should have, have got a- something from Liverpool. A penalty Shh.
0: as well against Manchester United. Yeah, Wilson on Casemiro, uh, on Wilson. No, are you are you not in the cams after <laughs> penalty? I wasn't at the time. But now you've seen plenty of slow motion versions of it. You definitely are
1: now. Yeah, again, I think again, I think that's just umpire's call. Had it been given on the pitch, would they have overturned it? Probably not. But because it hasn't been given on the pitch, they don't want to. They don't want to overturn too many decisions like that because you then lose confidence on your on field officials, which which shouldn't be the case because it's there to help and do a job, but. There's just too many incidents. I mean, look, yes, we've had our, our real big VAR woes this season, but they have they've been, they've been plenty worse as well yeah. in other teams. Um, But yeah, there, there was... The Everton, to win 1-0 at home is another one of them nights where we would have lost that game a few years ago. You know, so... It doesn't matter how you win, and and Almer on another fantastic finish, which again on another season that could have been goal, goal of the season, but it's not even in the top three. It's probably not even in the top five. Um, yeah, he was just on, he was just on fire, wasn't he? And it was like, who's this? He's had three years here and done not a great deal, and at the start of the season, is he gonna? Maybe we should sell him. You've you're at the time now where you've got to give him a new contract or you've got to sell him. He got a new contract and poof, he, uh, he's more than proven his worth now. Fantastic season. I
0: always believed in
1: him. I know you, did.
0: you lot. When he was rubbish, I always believed in him. Hmm. For so long, the McGuire Almiron Fan Club was a member of one, but uh, he's he's proven all the doubters wrong. Well. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm sure there was many more who believed in him. Um, yeah, so that Spurs game, fantastic. Then it was Villa at home, and Gerrard had been sacked, and Unai Emery was coming in, and it was the whole oh, there's Newcastle's first choice against Newcastle's second choice, and no one cared. No one, no one, no one cared at all. And Eddie Howe showed exactly why. And Newcastle went after him and exactly why he's loved on Tyneside, 4-0 against Aston Villa.
1: Yeah, I loved this game. Uh, Emery was my choice, um, fun fact, um, was my choice to, to be Newcastle manager right at the start when Bruce went. I thought Emery had, um, would be a good choice, something to prove back in the English game and been successful pretty much everywhere else he's been. Which you know has been proven with his time at Aston Villa. Hopefully, that doesn't continue too much next season. But yeah, I loved this game. Um, it's always a big, big, big fixture in uh, the Mulliner household every year. With my wife being Aston Villa, um, yeah, we absolutely battered them. And this, I mean, four 0 was was good on them. It it, it, could, it could have been an absolute rugby score because. I remember at the end of the game, Tyrone Mings just fell to the floor and said, thank God that is over, because we absolutely hammered him. Yeah, it it could have been really, really embarrassing for Aston Villa, which would have been funny. But, you know, it was a great performance, and it was just full-on attack for pretty much the whole game. I can't remember Villa having a a real proper effort on goal. Um, Yeah, phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and a big moment for Callum Wilson as well because the World Cup was coming up and lots of talk about whether he would go, whether he wouldn't go to Qatar with Scarf Southgate squads. Southgate was in the
1: stands and, and Wilson nabs a double. Yeah. One thing to take away from this season, which leaves me scratching my head a lot. How, how has Callum Wilson not got a hat trick this season? There's been so many games where he's hit two. And then he either gets taken off or it just spurns a chance, or this, that, and the did other. He hit, did he hit the bar
0: in that game? If I remember correctly, I'm sure. Yeah, he's there's been close, there's been a he? few.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. There's been so many games this season where he's been so close to a hat trick. Um, I mean, I don't think a Newcastle player has hit a hat trick in the Premier League since Perez against Southampton. Have they?
0: I'm going to take your word for that.
1: I can't. Uh, nothing springs to mind. I mean, don't quote me on it, but I can't remember another one in recent years no um but yeah it was a great performance from him we all knew as Newcastle fans that he should be the one to go to the World Cup look he was never going to get a great deal of game time because of Harry Kane but you know we all knew he was the best alternative he proved it time and time again when he was fully fit and firing great number nine play Deceptively quick, deceptively good in the air. Thoroughly deserved his call up. Yep, yeah, certainly did. And, and another great goal from Almoron.
0: Just a season, isn't it? I and mean, we hope that can continue again next season. And um, I'm confident it will do. Although the social media debate is already uh, raging on uh, to whether you need to sell one of Maxi. Or Miggy, but uh, we'll talk about that no. on another episode. Sam. Um, they then went to Southampton, four-one. They beat the Saints. That was the the weekend I got married, so um, don't remember much of that. That. that oh,
1: more time off. Mate,
0: yeah, you know, what, what can I say? I've had a busy. I've had a busy year. But
1: um, who knows when <laughs> we'll play Southampton next time uh, with their relegation? It was one of them games again where once we got the second, the floodgates opened and. Um, they did have a couple of chances at 1-0 as well, if you remember. Um, there was a volley, I think it was Shea Adams, um, who should have scored. Um, and then th- the game was killed off by Chris Wood, who, you know, much maligned. He was third-choice striker by that point. Come on, did a job. I've never been quick to criticise him because he was the perfect signing for what we needed when he was signed, and it was good business. And it was good business getting rid of him when we did. um. So we will be looked back at fondly, I think, despite not being prolific. Yeah, I, but, I,
0: I agree with you. I think, you know, he did the job he was brought in to do. And for what Newcastle needed at that time, you know, Wendes and he helped keep them up. Um, seventh goal in seven games for me running that game against Southampton.
1: Yeah, lovely goal. Um, shocking defending tidy finish um the goal of the game for me though was um the third trip uh was willock wasn't it
0: i'm gonna again yes it was it was Willick, and then didn't bruno score a nice little
1: long range as well yeah but the third one was a ball that um trippier intercepted and then played a lovely through ball to and a, a, a tidy finish, but yeah, Bruno got the fourth and and wrapped things up nicely. Um, yeah, a, a real dominating performance where just our attacking prowess was showed off to the maximum. Again, where we weren't just beating teams, we were battering them.
0: Yep, absolutely hammering them. Then the League Cup against Crystal Palace came a few days after nil nil.
1: Not a good game. Newcastle win three two on penalties though. All about Nick Pope. All about Nick Pope. Um, yeah. What else can you say? Uh, did you save two or three in the shootout? I can't remember. I wasn't there that night. Um, I was stuck at work. But, um, yeah. All about Nick Pope and just how just how great he's been. There's, you run out of superlatives for, for this team, this squad, this season. And... We had to. It was a. It was a. My biggest takeout from that game was I never want to see Bruno take another penalty in my life again. But, um, yeah. About his character, though, he was livid with himself and gutted with himself. He didn't want to celebrate the win at the end because he was so annoyed about missing his penalty. You could tell. I love Bruno. Um, but yeah, all about Nick Pope kept us in the game and, um, yeah, heroics in the shootout. What else can you say?
0: And then it was Chelsea, the visitors to St James's Park, the last game before the World Cup break. Newcastle won 1-0. Joe Willock with a wonderful goal. But in truth, it could have been three or four in Newcastle. Sean Longstaff wasted a good couple of chances. And Newcastle were really the better side there. This wasn't a smash and grab. This was Newcastle really coming away and thinking, well, we could have scored a few more.
1: No, it wasn't a smash and grab at all. I was I was there that night. Um so hungover as well, but um, that's a different story. Um, yeah, it wasn't a game. It wasn't a smash and grab. You're absolutely right. Chelsea had ro- one proper chance all game from Conor Gallagher, and that was them done. Um Chelsea's defence lived dangerously for most of it. Kulabali is, whilst fantastic in the air, I think he's so overrated. Um. He, he he became before he signed for Chelsea. He just became that talking player of oh he's class Big teams are going to buy him. Chelsea bought him, and he's just so slow, and he's just got the turning circle of a canal barge. Um, <laughs> but fantastic in the air. Um, yeah, great work from Almiron, didn't he? And then Willock took it off his feet to to bury it. It was a comfort as it was a it was a real comfortable one 0 win, and a great way to um to 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 sign off before before the World Cup, where Wilson, as we know, did get the call. He did, he did. And I just want to point out there, the league table after that game, Newcastle
0: obviously went to the World Cup break in third. 30 points is what they had. Chelsea were eighth on 21 points. It is amazing when you look at the finish table now. So Chelsea finished this season on 44 points. That's just, what, an extra 20, 23 points, is it? Newcastle collected an extra four well, collected a further forty one points. It is I mean, it's amazing how badly Chelsea have done, but also that shows you just how well Newcastle have done since the break.
1: Both on and off the pitch with performances, attitude, and recruitment off the pitch. Recruitment at Chelsea has been throw as much money as possible and hope some of it sticks. It it's it's been terrible. Um and it's not done for them yet because they've got to clear out so many players, so many bang average players, so many overrated players. But um, yeah, unlucky. Um, yeah, and it, it, we were, we knew we were, we we knew we were third for Christmas <laughs> because of the World Cup. Um, we knew we were safely through we in the Carabao Cup, so that was the first game back we had to to look forward to. Yeah, I didn't I, over—I didn't overly enjoy the World Cup, did you? Because no, I'm I not just... a big fan of.
0: in I like watching the games, but I'm not a big fan of international football as a whole. Um, mm. And your cast of players weren't really that, all that involved with it. So the, you know, when there's that element, you might be a bit more interested. But yeah, I mean, you know, not a big
1: fan of. Winning. Yeah, because obviously Joe Linton get didn't get the call up till now. Um, Bruno never really featured a great deal for Brazil. Trippier didn't feature too much. Wilson only really got on in the first game and there wasn't a lot to go on and, and when Newcastle were doing so well, it's it was a bit it came yeah, at There was the it worry that it stopped time. the
0: momentum. It came at the wrong yes. time, didn't it? But um, you know I think what I liked about that is Eddie How always said, Well it is what it is, I can't I can't do anything about it. We've just got to kind of deal with it. So important to finish you know, the, the games up to that point with it, with it, with a win, knowing that you come back on Boxing Day, you know, third in the league. You mentioned there the League Cup they'd beaten Bournemouth on the 20th um, of December, so that was the first game back, wasn't it? An own goal, uh, got Newcastle through to the next round. I, I don't, I don't remember that game being, being one one to remember.
1: Um, it was terrible, but and that, that was what was concerning because you think, oh come back looking a bit leggy, like whilst not all of our players. I mean, the the great thing was that um, Brazil got knocked out so early. Um, You know, in, and, and most of our, well, no, pretty much all of our players came back um, in time, ready to go. Um, But yeah, the Bournemouth game weren't great at all and that was the big concern. But I suppose it was good to get that one out of the way with a positive result so we could kind of come back all guns firing against Leicester, which is what happened.
0: Yep, Monday night Boxing Day, Chris Wood with a penalty after the third minute. Almirón in the seventh minute, and Joe Linton, um just out of the half-hour mark getting the third. And you know it could have been more. Again, um, three
1: goals in half
0: in the first half an hour. Rubbish. Oh, I know what were they thinking? But
1: should have had time for another couple.
0: It was a dominant performance and putting Newcastle up to second in the league.
1: Yeah. Smashed them, um. And it, again, it was this attitude of which we've seen more and more of. Right, start fast, put them on the back foot straight away. Don't give them chance to breathe. Don't give them chance to let them get chance to settle. And uh, yeah, Leicester was shocking that day, but we were very, very good. And Almiron's goal was fantastic, fantastic goal, lovely inter- inter- interchangeable play. It was it was great, and um, Joe Linton. Quick word on on him: eight goals from midfield.
0: Who would have who would have thought it? Absolutely tremendous! That,
1: he's more prolific in midfield than he was when he played up front. Um.
0: Then the final
1: day of
0: well, the final game of, of, of the year was against Leeds, nil nil draw. The thirty first of December, so New Year's Eve. Again, cancel had their chances. I don't remember it being being really a game of of much to write home about. I guess what the important takeaway was is that a year ago to that date, Newcastle were 19th in the league and they finished 2022, third in the Premier League. And as Eddie Howe said after that game, it really had been a year of real progress.
1: Like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't... The progress we made in them 12 months... I think only Leicester when they won the league, you can only you can only compare that to, really. Um it was just unheard of. It was just the difference the atmosphere, the change of atmosphere in and around the club, obviously all stemming from, from the takeover. Just unbelievable. We were so I, that that I pinched myself about. Because being used to just mediocrity and just just survival, and and you know normally you you're looking forward to the January window of right, who can we loan, who who can we get in on loan to so kind of get us to forty points, and we finished the year. What do we leave Chelsea? So we we came back. So we finished the year on thirty four points. i mean that was so we were safe by january basically (laughs) um which which is absolutely mad it's just it, it just filled you with a tremendous sense of pride um and and just a real platform to build on and then the kind of whispers of can we keep this up to make top four what do we need to do in january which we probably left ourselves a little bit short in January truth be told um but we just about got away with it the season ended at a good time because of injuries and whatnot but um yeah it was a real platform to build on when we were heading into January we'd we'd blown the cobwebs off of the squad because of the world cup interruption and it was just it was just it was just absolutely magnificent to be supporting this football club that's just been abandoned for too long it's i I mean look we've we've all spoke about it millions of times now and yeah it's just life is great when newcastle are winning but and it's been so many years
0: it certainly is and that result left newcastle unbeaten in 12 games it was a run that went back to august and I, i mean newcastle had the better of that game the had the better chances and Leeds, Leeds set up really well and that was their game plan to frustrate um, and, and they did it. Um, obviously, you know, not an important point in the grand scheme of things for them because they've still gone down but I do remember thinking, you know, they've had a game plan and it worked and maybe Newcastle are going to have to learn to deal with that where teams have started to work them out maybe and that was something that we're going to have to work on through January, maybe sign another attack and fraud because Callum Wilson had been ill after his return from the World Cup and he's out, still out as well. We forget No, Isaac was out for a heck of a long time, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, Um, he was. But
0: my final question to you about 2022, the the first half of the season, Sam, is what were you left expecting in the second half? Were you expecting Newcastle to maintain
1: the push for Champions League football? Mm, uh, No, not Champions League. I thought we were pretty nailed on for a top seven finish. I didn't think we'd keep it up. I've got to be honest, I didn't think we'd keep it up to get top four. I thought our focus was getting to the cup final. Um, there had been, whilst we went on that tremendous unbeaten run, if you're going to nitpick, there'd been a couple of home draws there, which should have been wins. And that's seriously nitpicking. But to, to not, obviously we, we spent a while to, speaking about that Liverpool game. We didn't lose again. We didn't lose again for the rest of the year it's um, just out of this world. Solid defence, solid midfield, great attack when fit. Um, That was the only thing that was kind of missing. When it was all there and firing, we were unstoppable at times. And you are spot on in what you say. And it was epitomised in the Leicester game Um, at the end of the season. We're going to have to start getting used to these teams coming and parking the bus now. Can we unlock it? That's the... Uh, and and get it shifted that that's the that's the next challenge um because it's going to happen more and more as 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 we as we get better and better but yeah i thought we were nailed on for europe but i thought the priority was getting to the cup final
0: and there you have it they got to the cup final and they got europe and the champions league and as i said the second half of the season will be covered by john gibson later this week sam Thank you very much for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Give our listeners a direction to where they can find yourself.
1: Uh, type in Newcastle Fans TV on all podcast apps or on YouTube. Uh, and uh, on a podcast app, go on the Greenwood and the Show on Newcastle Fans TV. And uh, hit subscribe and a five-star review on iTunes. I'd be very grateful. There we go. Thank you very much, Sam.
0: Uh, to you guys watching, please give us a like and a follow on your podcast app and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news, including and dedicated transfer live blog. And from me and Sam, we shall see you very soon.